It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl-winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome back to another edition of the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt. Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl-winning NFL scout, Brian Broaddus. You can hear him on 105.3 The Fan on the G-Bag Nation, uh, 2 to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday. That's Central Time. Uh, Brian, how you doing? Doing well, Bobby. Thank you very much. Get a little practice to evaluate here the next couple of days, right? Yes. I, I like. We actually got some of these Frisco practices. We're just getting two of them. Um, I was out there yesterday. I know you got to review uh, the footage. You'll be uh, you'll be out there to, uh, for the uh, Wednesday practice, though, right? I will be looking forward to that. Yeah, I feel like that I've been just so detached from this thing. But you know, again, folks have done a nice job of, like yourselves and others of uh, you know, with the videos and things like that. And, and you know, Derek Eagleton, those guys with DallasCowboys.com, streaming that uh, you know for us to watch as well. So good, uh, some. Some good opportunities to evaluate what happened uh, on uh, on um, Tuesday night. Yeah, big big headline probably coming out of practice was just the absence of Tyler Smith. That got some people a little uh, a little tense, I think, because uh, you know we had we were sitting in the press conference, and I remember Clarence Hill had asked uh, Mike McCarthy, said any any injuries coming out of the game, and uh, Mike was just like, no, no. And like, yeah. but said it with kind of a smirk a little bit. And so I remember distinctly sitting there going like, mm, that feels like he's, he's winking at us a little bit. And so we get out there and we're, we're going through like me, Todd Archer, Calvin Watkins, like all of us, like normal, just checking off Counting the here. roster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just seeing who's here. And we all kind of slowly were coming to the realization at the same time of, uh, there's no 73. We keep circling back looking for seven. Uh, there's no 73. And so, uh, Tyler Smith absent from practice shows up about midway through, uh, wearing shorts and, and no pads, has a, a backwards cap on. Uh, and we were heading into the locker afterwards to, to talk to players. And Mike McCarthy's walking by and Clarence Hill steps out of line and puts his hands out and like stops McCarthy's like, hey, uh, Tyler Smith. And he's like, oh, yeah, he, uh, he tweaked his ankle in the Chargers game. Uh, but he's fine. It's a minor issue, not serious. And he's like, I guess that's the kind of stuff you were asking about. And the press conference players is like, yeah, yeah, yeah the first-round pick. Would have, uh, that's kind of what I was wondering about those kind of players. But Mike McCarthy said, yeah, I need to bring my injury list up to the podium to remember it better. But uh, Tyler Smith doesn't sound like anything serious, Brian. No, it, it doesn't. And uh, when he said yesterday or when you guys were reporting that he wasn't practicing, the first thing I thought of was the kid has taken a lot of reps yep. and maybe a little bit banged up and maybe a little bit tired. And so they were just trying to maybe give him a mental break, maybe a little bit of a physical break too. Uh, you know, you're probably saying, well, hey, Brian, he's a rookie. He's, he needs all the reps. He needs all the work. 
he's taken a lot of reps. He's taken a, a lot of the work. He's played in all these preseason games. He's been physical throughout. You know, maybe I thought, eh, maybe he just needs a day just to kind of catch his breath and and uh, allow himself to heal up a little bit. You know, they've used uh, they've used Connor McGovern quite a bit, and Connor McGovern stepped in in the practice and continues to to be you know pretty good at his job. So, uh, but. Just to hear the minor ankle thing, I think, was a, a big relief to all Cowboy fans. Coming out of the practice, the specifics that we saw. Uh, Brian, I don't know which way you want to go with it. I want, I, let's lead off, I guess, here with the the first thing I had in, in my notes, which was I saw a lot of Anthony Barr out there. Anthony yeah. Barr doesn't – this doesn't feel like, you know, a role player who they're, they're going to, you know, have in there just every so often or to give breaks. It feels like – Anthony Barr is going to be a big part of this lineup. He was out there taking a ton of snaps with the first team. Uh, Van Der Esch and Barr at the linebacker, they had a lot of Micah Parsons standing up and rushing from a two-point stance. Uh, and, and the other interesting thing about the grouping that we saw yesterday, when there was a third corner on the field with the first team, it was Deron Bland. And so Deron Bland, while Jordan Lewis out, appears to be their number three corner. And interestingly enough, he was not outside. They were lining him up inside at the nickel, which is a lot of responsibility to give to a young player. Absolutely. I'll focus on Barr first. Yep. Uh, when Barr was signed, talking to members of the front office and then also talking to a couple guys in the coaching staff about him and how he will be used, uh, the word was, listen, don't think of him as a Sam backer. Don't think of him as a Will linebacker. Don't think of him as a Mike linebacker. There will be certain packages where – he will work with Leighton Vanderesh. And when I heard that, it wasn't he will work with Micah Parsons. He will work with Leighton Vanderesh. So with that being said, uh, then now we're getting a little bit of that glimpse of how they're going to try and use him. They, they're going to put them both in coverage. Now, this is where I think it gets a little dicey for me. I don't see – with Barr, and we saw, well, we saw a little bit last night. I don't know the coverage of carrying guys up the field. Yeah. I don't know if necessarily that's the best thing for Barr right now. I think things underneath, things in front of him, I think are fine. But there were a couple of times last night where he had to carry a player up the field, and there was clear separation there. So maybe – Anthony Barr needs to get back into that mode of having to carry guys. But we've seen him in a couple of times, some one-on-one -on -one stuff and other things where there has been separation. So the plan was to use him, <clears throat> excuse me, like Van Der Esch, but then, you know, in coverage, but maybe they need to think of a little bit, maybe a little bit different plan going forward. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. He looked, he looked like he was. Until, until, until he's. The ease, the that comes back to him. Sure, whether it's being in shape, practice reps, things like that. Yeah, I, and I think that you're you're dead on. I think I think the movement skills looked good. I think he looked like he was he was running well to the sideline. Instincts looked good. Looked like his uh, run defense was solid. I think we should feel good about that. Uh, on the bland point, talk a little bit about what kind of trust it takes to give a rookie the nickel slot over a really good nickel corner like. Uh, yeah. Anthony Brown. No, that's that's a great point because I felt like that if they had to play Bland, they would play him out on the boundary and then put 
Brown inside and let him play the nickel. And you're absolutely right. Anthony Brown can play nickel. He's comfortable doing that. That's why I feel like this uh, after the season, whether the Cowboys sign him or he goes somewhere else, someone will say, hey, this guy is a versatile player. He's comfortable on the outside. He's comfortable playing the nickel. It's not a problem at all. So that's something to keep an eye on. But, you know, with Bland, some of his best plays in training camp and some of his best plays in these games have been when he's been playing in the slot. Yeah. And so better to teach a guy how to play the slot, the harder of the two, because you have to carry the whole field. And if you're comfortable carrying the whole field, you surely can play on the outside, and Bland's proven he can do that. Another note from practice: uh, we we talk about Bland being in there. That's obviously uh, a disappointment. He's I'm a sure. good player. Yeah, he is. He's, Bland's he's a very, good player. He's, I, he's I, I, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, there, you're good. You watch him cover. He has got a feel. He's got awareness. He knows how to position himself. I believe he has a very short memory when it comes to maybe giving up a play and then coming right back and making a play, that you the movement skills, all those things that you want in a corner, he looks like he's very capable of, of making those types of plays. I guarantee you there's teams around the league that are watching him on tape, and they're going back in their notes, and they're going, where do we miss this guy? Did we not think he could do this? Did we not think he could do that? So uh, good job by the Cowboys potentially finding a guy they can step in and you can really rely on. Yeah, absolutely. And not just teams. You're you're probably having uh, Jeff Foster and, and National Football Scouting going, why didn't we have this guy at the Combine? Is, is there a reason he wasn't in, invited here? Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. Great job by the Cowboys scouting staff. Uh, their West Coast, or at the time, their West Coast area Well, there's scout, probably, there's probably yeah. people in the Pac-12 that are going, how did he end up in Fresno State? Yes, yes. Because I you believe know, he was Sacramento like, State at first. He kind of looks like, a, he kinda looks like a, an Oregon player, a Washington player. Washington's done a great job of putting corners in this league, putting safeties in corners. Yep. That kid looks, you know, you're thinking Fresno State. Fresno State plays really good football, but there's probably some Pac-12 teams going, huh, maybe this kid should have been on our scholarship playing for us. Shows he's, he's a very good football player. And one of the things that, you know, you mentioned all those other things. I think one of the other things you see when you watch him, he's very disciplined. He doesn't bite yeah. on a lot. He's, he's very patient. And I think that that's a, a big boost to him. Kelvin Joseph not in there, but uh, Kelvin Joseph had some success in one-on-ones yesterday against Jalen Tolbert. Uh, Tolbert couldn't really get any room on him on one. There no. was another where he just flat dropped it on a comeback. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, great, here we go. Another tough practice for Jalen Tolbert. This has been turning a little bit. Uh, but after that shaky start, you get into team period with these pads on. Something we haven't seen a lot of since the pads came on is tough catches in traffic from Jalen Tolbert. And I saw about three of them yesterday. Really tough, congested areas, making the catch with two guys around him, fighting for the football, something that you were wanting to see from I think you saw him saying, that's my ball yesterday. And after each catch, Robert Prince was always the, the receiver's coach was always right over there. First one down. Yeah, to right. tell him like, yeah, "Hey, you got time. it, man." No, that's this kid needs confidence. And when you make plays in practice, and especially some contested catches, where boy, I tell you, Bobby, you know we're not making this stuff up. Go get that football. Yeah. And he started off to like just like you said. 
like, oh, here we go. Here's another one of those practices where he's going to 50-50 this thing. But he got confidence, and he started to go get the football, and he was running the, the routes like he needs to run the routes. And there was separation there, and, you know, he was making plays. And, you know, one time he would catch the ball, and his jersey's all moved out of place, and his pad's flopping out, and you're thinking – all right, when you have to go get a ball like that, you're digging it out of the ground and you're you're securing it, securing it, excuse me. And that that's the most important thing right there. He looked like a confident football player in the last 35 to 40 minutes of that practice, where the previous part of it, he looked like a guy that we'd seen that struggled to maintain balance, show strength, and go get that ball. Uh, play of practice, by the way, if we're talking about receivers, play of practice was Simi Fajoko. Uh, and one-on-ones, tight coverage by Deron Bland all the way down the field. Gives a, a, a little bit of a savvy, you know, jab at the end of the route and, and creates some separation and lays out. I saw him in the locker room after. He had a just a giant blood stain right yeah. under his knee, and uh, I asked him about it. He's like, yeah, that was turf burn going down and yeah. getting that ball. But uh, Very 1973 of him getting yes, that turf burn. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. And so he, uh, he, he had a little bit of a blood spot there. But that was definitely the player practice. The player of practice was Micah Parsons, who if they would have allowed him to, to get sacks, if, the, if, these game, if these practices would allow you to actually take the quarterback down and that be the end of the play, then Micah Parsons probably has six or seven sacks yesterday on just like 40 snaps. And this is not, I, I know everybody's inclination is to go, what, is he just lining up against Terrence Steele every time? No. This no, was Terrence Steele. This was Zach Martin. This was Josh Ball. Uh, and this was this was Tyron Smith. Smith. Really yeah. beat him beat him rough to the inside, Smith. And the troubling thing for me, Brian, and I know we've talked a lot about it, there was some concern internally from the Cowboys about who was that player we saw against the 49ers? Who was, was that the version of Tyron Smith we're getting moving forward, or is this a guy who just, you know, okay, he was coming off the COVID list and maybe he was banged up and and that was the issue. Man, this was a, a practice yesterday where Micah Parsons beats him, but it's also Dorrance Armstrong beat him and Terrell Basham beat him. And that's not the first time during camp that Basham and Armstrong have beaten Tyron Smith. Is there any cause for concern for you right now about where Tyron Smith's level of play might be? Yeah, there really is. Um, and, but I'm happy to see a couple of things and I'm happy to see number one, Dorrance Armstrong, Dorrance Armstrong. I've been kind of cheerleading for a uh, matter of fact, we had a chance to interview him on one Oh five three. And, and the guys I work with brought that up. They said, Hey, listen, there's nobody pulling for you more than this guy. And they pointed over at me and I, I said, absolutely. I feel like he can handle the job. He physically looks good. You know, you, you know, he, he's got some, he's got that link to him, but he looks like he's got a little bit more size and a little bit more power, but what he was doing to Tyron Smith, you know, I, I felt like that, okay, this is what you got to do. You, if you can win against Tyron Smith, you can win a, against other tackles in the league. And that, that part was encouraging. Now on the flip side of that, you mentioned about the problems that Tyron Smith had. When Tyron Smith used to have problems, it was the inside rush. Yep. You know, there were times where he was just a little bit late getting inside. And I mean, inside left tackle, that's between the guard and himself there. And people would take him into the quarterback and he'd have a little problems. He'd get the holding calls and things like that. But there were a couple times yesterday where low shoulder run got underneath him. And I mean, low shoulder, when I'm talking about 
the defender getting to the edge, dipping that left shoulder there and driving underneath him. And he was left to be a little hunched over, not in really great position, and just giving up the, the pressure to the outside. When Tyron Smith starts getting beat to the outside, that's when you need to have the biggest concern because his hands are really powerful. When he can get on you, when he can kick outside, he can push, he can keep you wide. But when defenders are low shoulder running on him and getting underneath him and getting to the quarterback, now you've got an issue for Tyron Smith. That's something that he doesn't deal with very well, along with the inside rush that he uh, has had some problems with in the past. Uh, last point here from the uh, evening practice before we talk about some of the kicker news. Uh, a guy who stood out to me, I think Dalton Schultz looks like an improved blocker. And I know he added five or six pounds of muscle this offseason. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. But a couple times asked to seal the edge on Micah Parsons uh, solo, one-on-one versus Parsons right. and, and Golston and some bigger guys and held his own. So I, I, I think there's some encouraging aspects to the way Dalton Schultz is blocking right now. Yeah, I haven't seen Dalton Schultz play in any of the preseason games. and But last night, you're absolutely right. Uh, him and Hendershot, 12 personnel. Dalton is the inline Y, which means he's on the line of scrimmage. Hendershot playing the wing to that side. They sorted out a couple of different blocks. Things going front side to them. Things going away from them, they were able to sort out. And you're right. He was able to... Uh, he was able to stay in position. He didn't get thrown aside. Uh, he just didn't get overpowered. And we'd seen that in the past with Dalton Schultz to the point where they put him at the point of attack behind him and he couldn't handle it. Then they put him on the backside away. Couldn't handle that either. But yesterday, just focusing on him, nice job of sticking his nose. And these tight ends as a whole, I feel like they've done a better job of playing with power in these practices. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star, of course, is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, we got roster cut down news. The uh, NFL requiring teams to cut down to 80 players on on Tuesday, the Cowboys currently have 81, uh, but that's because Isaac Alarcon, uh, of course, is a roster exemption as part of the international. Playing well, by the way, yeah, he is, and and played some He's guard yesterday. Better. He really has. I watched him play guard last night. Yeah, I know yeah. We're talking about kickers here, but uh, soon, but yeah, the roster exemptions and things like that. I, I this one looks like that they've done the right thing with him, and yeah. you can actually see a a, a player that. Uh, is is capable of going in there and, and playing. I mean, I'd be interested to see him play like in a real game. You know, I mean, I know we've seen him in preseason games against different competitions, but just to make a note of that, I've been really impressed with what they've been able to do, playing him at left tackle and now also playing him at guard. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, apparently he spent a lot of the offseason playing at guard um, and then even still came in and looked pretty sharp when they were asking him to do tackle sure stuff. But yeah, playing some sure left did. guard yesterday, I saw – um, we've seen him play some kicker, but or, or from some left tackle. Um, 
But yeah, part of the international pathway program, so he's an exemption, uh, so they can carry 81 right now. Uh, they could have put Michael Gallup on pup yesterday. That was an option for them. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Did so not. still holding out some hope there uh, that hopefully, I, I think you said, what, August, August 30th? 30th. Fi- and that's August the final 30th, cut yeah. day? That's the, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the day. The Cowboy fans just keep that day. It's the final cut down day, and they're they're hopeful that when they get to that day that they could just go ahead and keep them on the 53. And so the moves they made yesterday, they did put Jeremy Sprinkle on IR. Uh, not yeah, a wave injury. Yeah, put yeah. on IR. Uh, they wave injure uh, Christian Sam, uh, the linebacker. Okay. And they release Quandre Mosley, the corner, who I thought had some decent Wasn't moments. Wasn't terrible. He, Wasn't terrible. Coming back to the practice squad, I, I guarantee you when yeah. they get down we, to the wouldn't, finals. Wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Jaquari Roberson, the receiver, who flashed a couple times on special teams. Sure um, and, and looked good there. So... A uh, couple interesting cuts there, and then it was Liram Hirelahu. Are you supply? Are you surprised at all? And and we'll go to McCarthy here in a second. But are you surprised at all that the decision was made now instead of at final cut down? Or do you think it just it, it wasn't a competition for them at this point? They wanted Maher. I think they wanted Maher now, but like we talk about in the uh, when we evaluate this, I don't think this thing is done by any means. And I'm not going to act like I know who's kicking at the Buccaneers and who's kicking at the Saints and who's kicking at the Rams. But, you know, it, it I, I think they're keeping an eye on this waiver wire. I really do. And if there's somebody that, you know, their, their plan was Garibay. That, I mean, that was something that they, you know, people are asking me on Twitter, they're like, hey, well, you know, where was the plan? What was the plan? And I'm like, I didn't feel like they had a plan and then I start thinking about Garibay. Yeah, they had a plan, but it didn't work out. So they're a little bit behind. I think they're going to go with the veteran guy here that they feel like has a little bit better leg strength. That's something that's pretty important to them. Yeah, we've got Mike McCarthy yesterday. Uh, we're we're going to play the an extended clip. It's chopped up a little bit in, into just kind of a, a highlight of what he had to say yesterday. Uh, but, but this is what Mike McCarthy had to say about the kicking competition. And then we'll dive into some of the particulars of what he had to say. You know, I just had a chance to visit with Larry this morning and, and I, I tell you, I, re- I really liked the way, you know, he came in here and it was, it was, you know, he took control of the competition early and, and that, that was very evident. We just felt Brett was, was in front and we wanted to give him this, this opportunity to, to be, to be the kicker, to be the guy, you know, in preseason three. So, but, uh, Larry, Larry, you know, definitely gave, gave him a run and, I thought he did an excellent job in this time here. You know, we had a chance to work out Brett last year. Just the way he's striking a ball. I'm, I've just been so impressed with him since it's starting with the workout, too. So, and if you, you look at his kickoffs, you know, it's, uh, you know, something was probably, it was probably the, the difference between both him and Laram that, you know, we gave him the nod, too. So, you know, and that's part of the reason why we, went, we you know, tried to create an opportunity for the long field goal. So, you know, he de- definitely has excellent leg strength, and uh, he's just, he's kicking with a lot of confidence right now. Mike McCarthy, very complimentary of Liram Hirelahu and the the progress that he made. And and you heard him there talking about, hey, he took control of the kicking competition early. Uh, it's just it's clear at this point that uh, he didn't have the power behind it that they wanted. Uh, and I actually want to break down a couple different things that he said there. Um, and we'll kind of break this down into some some bite sized pieces. Uh, the first one is this, Brian. I thought this was interesting in that quote there. We want to give him this this opportunity to to be to be the kicker to be the guy, you know, in preseason three. That just sounds like well, he's our guy for this week, right now. Yeah. Then that's it, and so that doesn't yeah. sound like a very uh, totally confident, permanent solution 
uh, from Mike McCarthy. No, not at all. That is a, let's see what happens here. Uh, if we get a few kicks, we'll, uh, we'll sure take them and see where we're at. But if Buccaneers, Saints, Rams, anybody else has a kicker out there that they put out there that we might be real interested in, uh, in going in and, and getting, maybe it might be a situation you know, with some of this, don't uh, don't think it's out of the question to take one of those. You know, they, they're going to get some supplemental picks, so they could take their own picks and move them as well. It's not out of the question for them to move a pick to go get a kicker. I, I surely would if it was if I felt like that he was better than Brett Maher. We we've had it brought up on the podcast before. Uh, you know, listeners giving us their questions on Twitter. Uh, do you think any part of them regrets not going after a guy like Cade York? Oh, yeah. I mean, I asked you the question, Jake Ferguson or Cade York, and Jake Ferguson has shown up. Let's he's looked not so be good. Wrong about he's been that. one of the stars of the, pre- the preseason yeah, games. he has. He's done a great job. And so with with uh, you know, with know those thoughts, I, I've Cade York, the kicking – this the way that McCarthy plays football, the way he manages games – Kicking is a big part of what he does. Absolutely. Big part of, you know, he did it with Mason Crosby for all those years in Green Bay. There were just big games where he came down to kicking field goals. And so I don't think he always is the most, you know, does the most beneficial thing for his kicker, you know, making him kick long field goals to try and win games. But I do feel like that he plays in a lot of tight games and for them not to have, this field goal situation buttoned up, I, I think is uh, could be one of those uh, mistakes that they look back on. Another uh, portion of that uh, statement there from McCarthy that I want to dive into, what he had to say uh, here about what the difference was. And if you, you look at his kickoffs, you know, it's, uh, you know, something was probably, it was probably the, the difference between both him and Larry. So very clearly the power behind Maher's leg, and I think we've talked yeah. about this. When you look at, Bones Fossil had an affinity for Greg Zerline. The guy they brought in here that that was his his guy coming out of the draft was Jonathan Garibay. They paid him, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got, uh, you know, the guy that they brought in here as the replacement, Brett Maher. They all have in common, it's that 60-yard type of, you know, power range. That clearly is the biggest aspect to to the kicking job that they're looking for is a big leg. They just need you to be... A, a baseline average accuracy guy. If you can do that and you've got a big leg, they'll go with you. And I think that's ultimately what hurt Liram Hyrulahu. Hyrulahu seems like a more accurate kicker to me or, or a more consistently reliable kicker than Brett Maher. But clearly when you hear him talk about, you know, the kickoffs and the depth that they get from that and everything else, it's really clear the biggest thing they want from their kicker at this point is power. No, they do. And kickoffs that go out of the end zone means you don't have to cover. Yep. You know, that that if you have if you worry a little bit about your kickoff coverage unit, they get exposed when balls are returned on them. For every one that you get returned, there could be the possibility of what you know happened to the Chargers the other night with Turpin. You know, yeah, the, the ball can come all the way back, or you can lose field position that way with big kickoff returns. So strong leg equals the ability to kick long field goals but it also neutralizes teams' ability to return the football, especially when we get late in the season. Now, uh, how many late-season games? We'll see. You know, late-season outdoor games, we don't see as many touchbacks because of the, the cold conditions and things like that. So 
strong leg to get the ball all the way to the goal line would also help your coverage unit as well. And then the uh, the final portion of McCarthy's statement there that I wanted to, to play was just the very end of that when he was talking about Brett Maher. Definitely has excellent leg strength, and uh, he's just he's kicking a lot of confidence right now. Confidence, confidence, confidence is a big thing for them right now because I think everything he just described about Brett Maher, you can describe about or you can use those same adjectives to talk about Jonathan Garibay except the confidence because the confidence was shot on him. And so I, I think it's it's clear that they found what they wanted in terms of, of ability and, and and the type of traits that the kicker has. But ultimately, that was the downfall of Garibay, wasn't it? It was just he had completely lost his confidence out here. Can't tell you how many times we had a, in our podcast where I, I we, we, would talk, we would say it. You know, you'd look at him kick, and I described it like the truck full of dirt that would dump on him, and he would – he would find his way to the top and then another truckload of dirt would come and bury him again. He was not a confident kicker. No. And you could tell the, the mojo moments, the breezy conditions there at Oxnard, uh, fans being in the stands, teammates watching, coaches watching. He, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't up to it. He just was not up to it. And you could talk about Larum clearly winning the job. To me, that was more about Garibay's inability to handle pressure. Yes. And once he proved he couldn't handle the pressure, there was no reason for them to keep him around. Now, I've been told this, and this was really early in camp when things were kind of falling apart. They said, hey, keep an eye on the snapper because that was a little bit of an issue. But don't be surprised with 16 roster spots on the practice squad that you might bring this kid back and work with him in that regard. You've got uh, – it is now Maher's job, which uh, is is intriguing because a big part of his problems uh, here in Dallas was the ability to kick in that 30 to 49 range. The extra points. Well, in the extra point, so he, he struggled a lot with the extra points. Early. It was that extra point distance, though, especially the 40-yarder. So in his – 33, yeah. He's right. 30, say 33 to 40 yards. And even when he kicked an extra point the other day, he kicked it off the left hash – that thing ended up all the way over on the right upright. Yeah. You know, it faded that much, you know, and I'm like, oh, gosh, just put the ball in the middle and do that. Don't, you know, don't. But, man, he was – he just – he has a problem with the ball. He'll either hook it from distance or he'll fade it from close. He's kind of – there's really no in-between with him right now. He's a uh, He's a guy that during his time here in Dallas – from 30 to 49, Brian, actually from 50 plus, he was 66%, which is yeah. a great percentage from 50 Unreal. plus. That, that, yeah. That's fantastic. When you look at from 30 to 49 during his time in Dallas, he was 55%, yep, which it. is just, it's it's brutal, especially that 40 to 49 range. In 2019, when he was finally let go, he was one of five there. And yeah. so now he cleaned that up last year in New Orleans. Last year in New Orleans, he was uh, 12 of 13 from 30 to 49. And so you hope that maybe he's he's kind of cleaned up Figured those issues out. a little bit. Yeah, yeah because I, I think that if you can be – if he can be just 70 to uh, – honestly, 75%. If he can be a 75% kicker from 30 to 49, I think they're happy because they, they want the booming leg. That's what they want. They want the guy who can – 
make a difference in in that sense. So there's a little bit of a kicking update. Uh, before we uh, wrap up this segment really quickly, uh, we got the news on uh, Wednesday morning, the uh, passing of Len Dawson, Pro Football Hall of Famer, uh, and a guy with some some ties to Dallas, uh, quarterback the Dallas Texans for a year in Texans, 1962. Yeah. Uh, but, but truly one of the... Uh, the game's all-time, I think, toughest quarterbacks, Len Dawson. Uh, yeah, a lot of folks will remember him from inside the NFL. Yeah. You know, if you watch the show on HBO back in the day, him, Nick Bonacani, those guys, and, you know, he he was a, a tremendous quarterback. You talk about toughness. That was a tough era to be a quarterback, by the yeah. way. Him, Daryl LaMonica, John Adel, I mean, they had those – those old, you know, those old AFL quarterbacks, those guys were, as, uh, you know, the, one of the iconic pictures is him halftime smoking a smoking. cigarette with a with a tab cola down by his feet, you know. So that just kind of tells you a little bit about the era that he played in. So rest in peace to uh, Len Dawson, 87 years old. You're listening to The Love of the Star. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is that time of the show where we turn things over to our loyal listeners for the Twitter mailbag. Uh, the first question here, Brian, comes from Cowboys Optimist at Desert ah, Heat AZ, and he's asking, who's the surprise unexpected guy with the best shot at the 53? Last year it was Azure Kamara. Uh, I think the guy that you need to watch, I don't know about you, Brian, the, the guy that I get the sense and it's a tough room to break, but, man, I think they really like Mika Tafua, the, the undrafted pass rusher from Utah. Well, i tell you what, I, you, you're going right down where I felt like that you were going to go here with that. I, he has done a lot of really interesting things when you watch his game, how active he is, how they use him on twist stunts, how he's able to free himself. Might be a very surprising guy there for sure. I, I, I think – What's going to be really hard is they've got so many spots initially yep. that they can't carry guy. I mean, they have to do some roster manipulation. The team that you see on Tuesday when they get down to the final cut, I just don't think, you know, two days later it could be a completely different team yeah. with, with the way that is. So to say, oh, well, hey, who's a surprise this and who's a surprise that? you might not be able to have surprise guy right now, yeah. you know, because they have, they have injury concerns at wide receiver that they have to manipulate. What are they going to do with the offensive line? What are they going to do with the defensive line? You know, that how many safeties roster manipulation is going to be uh, the number one thing that they try and work through on Tuesday. And then let's see what happens Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, if if that roster changes to where you get that surprise guy. What, if we're talking about just on the initial 53 before all the manipulations, they are going to need to carry probably more offensive linemen than uh, – like they're going to carry some it guys. It was good to all. see Willetsko practice. Yes, it was. That we, was. we didn't even mention that. I was, thinking, I was thinking Willetsko was going to be a let's redshirt him kind of a guy. I did too. I, I did as well. And so, so now, now with Willetsko practicing – he stands a chance to be on the 53-man roster here. I mean, you were going to probably have to put him on to get him on the IR. Yep. Uh, or, you know, the injured list, excuse me. But, yeah, that was uh, that was something that, uh, you know, I was kind of like, 
seeing i was keeping an eye on that one for sure do you think uh if we're talking about surprise 53 any chance that that surprise could be the guy we've talked about already today alarcon man do they, do they, no, okay guard, he can play me. guard and tackle they, he can play they, both sides they, autom- they, they, they automatically get him on practice the practice squad yep, right yep yep i think gosh he's he's actually looked pretty good he's looked pretty good and but has he looked good enough to be on the 53? I say because they know they have a roster exemption for him on the international stuff. It's easy to just squad. Yeah, it's easy to just I, I, stash. I, think it's, I think he gets stashed there, yeah. Uh, next, uh, or more statement, I guess, uh, from Brad. He says, bold proclamation, the right side of the offensive line will be better than the left. Agree or disagree and why? Man, that's uh, obviously Zach, that's that's bold. Zach Martin's bold. Zach Martin's great. I know you're you're just you're not a Terrence Steele fan, but I think the I'm right side not. of the line. I think the right side of the line could be solid. I'll tell you what. I was watching. Uh, I was watching the practices last night with uh, with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were sitting there watching the computer. I'm like, what do you notice about this offensive line? And Tamara says, look how much smaller Steele looks as opposed to everybody else in their stance. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. You know, he just looks smaller than everybody else in their stance. And so it was kind of funny that uh, that she pointed that out. And I was thinking the same thing. And I'm thinking, just that lack of power. It's just that lack of bulk right there. I, I feel like I, I, I feel like I keep saying Smith's going to play left guard. I, that's I keep saying that. I, and then I watch. Yeah. Then I watch McGovern, and McGovern hasn't been bad. It's not like McGovern has been bad. No, no, I thought I thought he had some trouble yesterday with Odigizua and Bohanna during practice. They they were he, giving him. It some wasn't issues. as clean as that. He's played well in these games. I did notice him. Ho- I, mean, I noticed him game. hobble at one point. I I need to poke around and see if there's things to. I noticed him kind of limping around at one point, like a foot or an ankle. He or something. hasn't been terrible, Bobby. I'm sorry. We, <laughs> I, and I love Smith. I do feel like it's Smith and Smith on the left side. But man, we've kind of talked about maybe some of the faults of Smith. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Smith I'm gonna give Tyron Smith the the nod that things are gonna get worked out. But man, uh, there's some concern there. I think Smith is better on that side than what we're probably gonna get from Steele on the right side. Even though Martin is a Hall of Famer over there at you know right guard, it can help him. You can see I I made it a point every time I watch Steele. Martin's eyes are over on that right side. He's uh, he, that right tackle. He's not. You can see left hand is st- is holding in there for uh, Biotish. You know, left hand, left hand. But those eyes and head are looking at that right tackle spot. Yeah, because he he knows he knows if that if that defender comes inside, he's going to have to redirect, slide over, and take that guy. Question from Trey Davis, uh, talking about what players could be traded before the final roster cuts, and is there any truth uh, that the Cowboys are interested in Andy Isabella? I haven't heard anything about the Cowboys being interested in Andy Isabella. He's been a disappointment in Arizona um, since being a second-round pick. In fact, one of the things I do distinctly remember, I remember having a conversation uh, with somebody uh, inside the Cowboys personnel department when Isabella was coming out, and their opinion was that he was – way too stiff for a guy that small yeah. that they thought he played too stiff and, and wasn't quick enough. And so we're talking about a I don't smaller remember them being high on. Him. No, they I don't weren't, remember they anybody weren't. ever talking about Andy Isabella as being a guy. They, they weren't. You're talking about a guy with great straight line speed and everything else, but a yeah. smaller, more slightly built guy um, who, who 
doesn't have the the kind of quickness that you want if you've got a, a smaller receiver. And it may be why. Hey, your slight guy made a couple of plays yesterday as a receiver. He did, Kevontae Turpin. Yeah. Your slight Turpin, he he had a couple of plays. You know, yeah. They threw him the ball a couple different times. So they're going to find a way to use the kid, you know, and, uh, and you know, but they need to heal him up a little bit too. Well, and you the know, question, he needs a little bit of a rest. The question about any players that could be traded before final roster cuts, I think the names you got to watch there are probably, if they if they were to make a player swap and say we got a surplus here, probably coming off the defensive line. So you look at the ends and the tackles, prob- I think the guys you would need to watch there are Basham and you'd probably need to watch uh, Tristan Hill as yeah. guys that they could potentially try and move. But Tristan Hill well, may, hey. be, may be a victim of what Taco Charlton was. Where when the Cowboys got to a point where they wanted to trade Taco right. Charlton, everybody just went, you can cut him. We'll hang around and wait. Hey, I, I, how about this one? A lot of whispers about Ridgeway's spot yeah. being on the team. Which and, is interesting. And I reached out to I reached out to a guy outside the organization, and I'm thinking, hey, when you look at the Cowboys, what do you think about the one techniques? He says, Bohanna has played better than Ridgeway. Yes. And he goes, my guy says, you know, Ridgeway might be a guy that probably might be a better offensive lineman, might be a better guard than he would a one technique. And I was like, well, oh, I haven't heard that. So, but there was there was some whispering that maybe that Ridgeway wasn't a sure thing on this team. Because my guy said, hey, who's playing better down there between Bohanna and Ridgeway? I said, Bohanna. He goes, how many one techniques are they really going to keep? And yeah. I'm like, well, I've know, had I've had Ridgeway on this roster the whole time because I think you've heard I have two. I, I think two, I think but I, this I, guy brought up some interesting thoughts about about Ridgeway, maybe his spot not totally. This team likes to protect the draft. Don't get me wrong. And because and, and, and they won't go get anybody in free agency. They have to have their draft picks. Well, and he's a guy yeah. who I believe they had a fourth round grade on. Sure. Um, and he's a guy who uh, I, I've heard positive things about what they think he can be in terms of a culture guy, and and that they they've got yeah. some they've got. I, I heard they had some long term plans for him, and so it it it's. It, but it is interesting. Like your numbers are so tight, and he hasn't performed as well. He's been a little. Yeah. He's been a little banged up. Maybe he's one of these guys that because he got hurt again yesterday. I noticed uh, yeah. he had been dealing with the knee. I noticed at one point he had to limp off, and and he's wasn't trying to he's stuff. trying to get through. There's I I, no I want I wonder if maybe just, they try I and redshirt him. I wonder if yeah, they try thought, to redshirt him. They they'd have yeah, to obviously I, carry him initially, but I wonder if they try to do some sort of a redshirt with him. Because you remember, yeah. you asked me why Ridgeway was falling during the draft when we were on the draft show, and I told yeah. you I didn't know for sure, but I said I do know that he was always banged up during training, and so they, this is it may be a yeah. guy who who needs a clean up and can stash on IR. Yeah, that's that's the thing about it. I'm starting to think of guys that might be surprise cuts because all along we've thought Ridgeway, 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 and then now we got people like, well, who's playing better? How many one techniques going to carry? Right. You know, you're going to carry one, you're going to carry two. How many are you going to carry? And my guy said, if yeah, keep an eye. If they if Bohanna is clearly better and he's the guy, then you know Ridgeway might not be long for this thing. Uh, next question here, uh, from at the process underscore pep. And, and you kind of just referenced this. Uh, did they get Turpin more involved on offense? Absolutely. At least in this practice that yeah. they've been doing jet sweeps and reverses and some different things with him during these throwing preseason the games. Yeah. They're actually throwing him the ball. And he, he was yeah. during the one-on-one sessions. He was able to get in targets with Dak. Dak was in there yeah. throwing to Turpin on these one-on-ones. So it definitely feels like they're at least 
open towards a, a more expanded role for him inside of the offense. Totally agree. Yeah, that's uh, when you see him in practice and he's running routes and then getting the ball, and it's not just like you mentioned the reverses of the jet sweeps or screens, it's legitimate downfield routes, then that that's that that has to be encouraging for him to get those opportunities and encouraging for the staff to see him uh, finish the way he has. Uh, next question here. Uh, let's go with Jake. He's asking, does the sprinkle release assure Hender spot a roster spot? Where do they go light if they roll with four tight ends? I, I think that Hendershot's got a, a decent chance to make the roster. Um, he had a drop yesterday during team period that you don't want to see that. Uh, but also with McEwen, uh, dealing with the, the, uh, PCL, the PCL sprain, yeah. then maybe, you know, it's, it's tough when there's a tough competition and you've got a guy missing time, even if it's because of injury, that's, that's tough to, to win that spot for the guy. I had hurt, three so. tight ends. And you, and you love you Hendershot. Care. I don't know how you carry four. I really, really don't. I mean, you can say all the great things you want about McEwen, but they're, they're blocking better, you know, and McEwen is part of that. But I'm just saying, it, Hendershot, to me, looks like he has far, far more upside than what McEwen has. Just watching him play, watching him catch the ball, watching him block, I just feel like th- there's some legitimacy to his, his trying to win a roster spot. And you mentioned it. Guy's got a PCL strain. How long is that going to take him out? Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. I can't carry. I've got other numbers I have to worry about. I got three really solid tight ends. You know, I have three really solid tight ends now. And McEwen, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't see you as one of those guys. Uh, next question here from, uh, let's go with uh, Brad Green is asking, do you think Kellen is getting more adaptive with play calling game planning and not being as hard-headed as we were with Garrett? I felt like we got a taste of that early last year, but after Dak's injury, they kind of fell back to the old ways. That's been an issue for Kellen Moore has been staying consistent into the season. I think yeah. that people around the league will will tell you that he he seems to tighten up a little bit in the second half of the season and – and doesn't know how to to respond to the way that defenses are reacting to what he did in the first half of the year. All three years, it's been a very aggressive offense in the first half of the season that goes much more conservative into the second half. And so I I don't know that I don't know that we'll have an answer to that until we get into the regular season. I think you're absolutely right about that. I think you have to wait and see what happens in the regular season. But he's clearly coaching for his job, and Mike McCarthy is going to allow him to coach for his job. And so we'll see I, if, if he gets in trouble, then uh, a week five, week six, things aren't working out great offensively. You're playing well on defense, but you're not scoring any points. It might be a time where Mike McCarthy says, I need to take over the primary play calling and here we go. But we've seen Kellen Moore have success early. And then the second half, as you mentioned, fall apart, but you're not going to know until the regular season. I think one thing he needs to do is he needs to stay committed to trying to run the football. I'm not just saying run it, first, second, third down and punt. I'm saying, you know, find a way the good mix he's been doing, play action on first, run on second. He's run sometimes on second and long, just as a nickel run to try and pop things, you know, make something happen. So maybe he's getting a little bit better feel for that here in the preseason. And last question here from Dean Julia. Is there a former either Cowboys wide receiver or any wide receiver in the league that you can compare Jalen Tolbert to? Who's your comp after seeing him go through camp? Man, comp, that's tough. Uh, I know 
I remember there were a few people who threw out the comparison of uh, Marvin Jones. Uh, there, there was a few people. I remember Lance Zerline was one of those. Um, but that's interesting. I, I, I don't know that anybody springs to mind right off the top of my head as a good comparison for Jalen Tolbert. Well, whoever Did you, have you anybody? wanted in college football that goes and, and, and got the football and was taunting people after he caught it, whoever that guy is in your memory, <laughs> that's who he was in college. Yeah. Right now he right now and we saw it yesterday. He he's he he played with some confidence yesterday afternoon. You know, he did. He found a way to make plays. He found a way to separate. Found a way to go get the football. That's what he did it. That's what he did it it uh at South Alabama. Whoever you knew that in college football you've ever seen go get a football and then let people know that he caught that football, that's your comp right there. But until he gets back that, he you know, he's just he's a guy that's just a guy. But yesterday he showed why he got drafted where he did. Because he has the ability to go make plays. He has the ability to go extend. He has the ability to go play with a little power and not crumple when people are on his back. So I don't know what the comparison is, but his college that college player at South Alabama was a lot better than what we've seen a lot of what training camp. We saw a little bit of that uh, South Alabama guy yesterday, so that's at least a good start. Absolutely. All right, uh, Brian, that does it for us. We will be back at practice uh, here on Wednesday night, the final one, and then uh, it'll be time for real NFL football. Uh, But for Brian Broaddus, I'm Bobby Belt. Uh, Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday. 